0: What's up, Cyber and Crypto friends? Hope everybody's having a great day. Today is May the 2nd of 2019. This is episode number 70 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. Got some fun stuff to talk about today. Also going to talk about some projects I've been working on at work and uh, the various vendors that we're vetting and give my opinions on those. All the opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinion and do not reflect that of my employer. All right, with all the legalities out of the way, I wanted to talk about privileged access management. And if you're in cybersecurity, this is becoming a a bigger thing now because there's so many admins and domain admin accounts and whatnot on various systems and it's difficult to administer all those admins, make sure that all those admins are legitimate, uh, that their passwords don't need to be reset, that the accounts are active. There's just a lot there and if one of those passwords gets compromised that's a whole another can of worms. So Privileged Access Management helps you in that it gives you a platform to create one-time passwords for people to remote into servers and do their administration. So the end user, the admins, don't even know what password is being used when they connect to the server. The Privileged Access Management solution generates that password just for that one session and the admin never knows. As soon as that session is over, the password immediately gets reset for that account. So this is a pretty cool, pretty cool thing, and I've been looking at various vendors. Uh, SailPoint is one of them. CyberArk is another one. Uh, very cool stuff. The only problem that I see so far is these. By the way, these also work with service accounts. So if you have, I'm sure you have millions of service accounts floating around out there for running SQL or uh, web service accounts, whatever they are. And oftentimes people use domain admin accounts for those service accounts, which is also a big no-no. But even if you do, you can use a tool like CyberArk, and it will go out there and rotate those passwords for you. So it's pretty cool. Um, definitely looking at at these tools, and it's it's certainly intriguing. And uh, most of them are are fairly cost-effective too, for you know, ten or fifteen. Users, it's it's not bad pricing, but the only hurdle I see currently is the adoption from all the admins and showing them another platform. But essentially, it would give them you know a single place to sign into all their servers. But they would have to go to you know if it's SailPoint or whatever, they'd have to go to SailPoint's. Uh, typically, it's hosted; it's a SaaS environment. So you go to SailPoint's website, you would log in with your two-factor and all that good stuff, with your password and two-factor. And then from there, once you're in, SailPoint would then do the rest. So you never know what those passwords are to those servers at all. That was one of the questions I asked. It's like, why wouldn't somebody just go log in directly to the server? Well, they wouldn't have an account to do that. That's kind of the whole point of this. So not only do these PAM solutions help with managing the accounts and rotating you know, passwords and whatnot, but it actually can help with workflow, of all things. You really wouldn't think of that with a PAM solution. You'd think that would slow you down. Actually, from what I've seen so far, it's quite the opposite. So you're essentially doing a single sign-on to get into, let's say, CyberArk, for example. You sign into that with your two-factor, and from there, you don't have to log into any other systems, and you can do more than just remote desktop. You, if you're a SQL administrator, you can open up SQL Management Studio with those credentials and still never know what the password is. So makes it very cool for even workflow purposes and helping people get to what they need to potentially quicker. So pretty cool stuff all around. If you want to tinker with one of these, there's a free one out there. It's called Cotic, thy Cotic. So you can go check that one out. It's free. The only drawback I've seen with Thykotic is that it's... uh, You basically have to run it on a Windows box running IIS. And I'm not a huge fan of IIS personally. But it at least gives you a feel for what these platforms do. And so you can kind of decide, hey, is this right for my environment? So far from what I've seen, this is very, very helpful. Uh, I've shown it around the, the office to various admins and whatnot, and even the database folks, and, and they seem to love it too. They think, they're like, this would save us so much time just getting into all these different systems. So, you know, also with the SQL admins, they could just use those credentials to get to SQL Management Studio and not even have to log into the SQL server to do anything ever. So anyway, makes it very nice for permissions. You can give people only what they need access to and just really lock it down and rotate those passwords. Also, another added benefit of rotating those passwords so often, as you know, as you sign into various computers on your network with your account or your domain admin account, it leaves a hash of the password on that computer. So if you logged into 20 different workstations with your domain admin account, your password is hashed on that computer. Same on servers. Why is that a problem? Well, if a hacker gets a hold of one of those computers and they can grab that, uh, it's called the SAM database uh, on the computer in the Windows System 32 drivers folder. I'm sorry, ETC drivers, I think is what it is. Um, But if they can get that SAM file and start extracting those hashes from there, they can start cracking those hashes. Now, obviously, you have to be able to actually crack those hashes in a reasonable amount of time and... Oftentimes if you have a decent password it's pretty unfruitful to try to crack those passwords but if the passwords getting rotated every time you sign off of a server or another system, that password hash is invalid so makes it really cool. you can also uh, request access to certain things. so if you have admins that rarely get into whatever system and for whatever reason that one day they need it They can actually request access to it, and it'll send the other admins an alert saying, hey, this this guy or girl wants access to this for this many hours on this day, and it sends the request, and the other admins can approve it. So a lot of cool advantages to a tool like that. So check out those PAM solutions if you're interested in that. It really, really helps with hardening, especially those privileged accounts, Because if a hacker gets a hold of those privileged accounts, they're going to own your entire domain. And that's where this gets really scary. So that's why I've been heavily looking at the privileged account uh, access and the PAM solutions and things like that and trying to figure out what's the best way to lock all this stuff down as best we can. All right, so on to some newsworthy items that I've found over the last week or so. A couple of these are, are really disheartening because... The targets in these cases are places that you would think would be sacred to a lot of folks. Um, One of those was St. Ambrose Catholic Parish. They got scammed out of $1.75 million because of a business email compromise. So again, business email compromise is where a hacker gets a hold of your business email password, logs into your account, and starts sending messages... As you, and requesting funds, and uh, apparently they wired a whole bunch of money to this hacker. You'd think, though, that a, a Catholic parish would be something that attackers wouldn't go after. It'd be sacred, but I guess not. There's really no no restrictions or no limits to what these guys want to do. It's, it's kind of sad, if you ask me, but what can you do? Uh, the other one in this, uh, another example is Cartoon Network. Uh, they got hacked, and they were showing... Uh, male stripper videos and arabic memes on cartoon network and you know if kids are watching that stuff that's just that's terrible like why would you do that Uh, i just don't get it but anyway hackers i guess just have no boundaries and they don't really care All right, some other news here about denial-of-service attacks affecting our grid, power grid. So they were saying back in March, we were hit with some pretty big, March 5th to be exact, hit with some pretty big DDoS attacks, and it was starting to disrupt our power grid. But essentially, the DDoS attack lasted for about 10 hours, uh, from about 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., and it affected people in California, uh, Utah... Wyoming. So pretty big issue there with that denial of service. They're also saying that it's it didn't affect the generation of power it just affected the reliability of the grid and they were seeing some customer outages because of all this. So certainly scary to to see the attackers going after these kinds of things and doing DDoS attacks to take down our critical infrastructure is certainly scary. So this is just one example of this happening And you see the risks there and and the potential side effects from these kinds of attacks. And that's pretty scary stuff. But I think as cybersecurity grows, these various uh, critical energy and critical services companies will have to adhere to much stronger cybersecurity regulations at some point. And some of them already do. So we're definitely on the right track there. All right, some other cybersecurity stuff here. There's been some recent trends of IT service providers, or MSPs, getting hacked. And if you're not familiar with an MSP, they're typically just an IT company that does IT for numerous different businesses, right? Like small businesses that can't afford an IT person. They'll outsource it to an MSP, and the MSP can basically handle all the IT-related stuff for them. Well, hackers are targeting these MSPs... And by doing so, if they compromise one of these MSPs, they can then get access to all of those other customer sites. Uh, All their clients, basically, these attackers could potentially get access to all of them. So pretty scary stuff to see that going on, too. Uh, I saw one today where they got ransomware, and they decided they weren't going to pay it, and the hackers published tons of data about the msp and all their clients and you know talk about crazy but they didn't want to pay the ransom they said no we're not going to pay it so they dumped all this information on the internet and there you go but they didn't want to be blackmailed and they said they're not going to pay for it so anyway that stuff continues to happen and it's it's uh, certainly a scary trend there we've seen i've seen probably six or eight articles about various msps getting hacked here recently so Interesting stuff there. It makes me think too. If if these MSPs are getting hacked, and they have remote access to all your systems, what else can you do to prevent a breach of some sort? Um, you know, is there any additional controls that you can implement for those MSPs? That would certainly be a good question to ask if you have an MSP provider and they have access to all your systems remotely. You might want to ask them. What's the additional control to get into your particular environment? To get into your network, is there something else that they have to do to authenticate themselves, like a token, for example, or you know anything like that? Some sort of two-factor code, anything like that would be another layer there that they'd have to do uh, to even be able to access that customer site. So hopefully these MSPs will implement something like that, but. If you use an MSP, you'd certainly want to be asking them these questions and and making absolutely sure that they, they really implement this kind of thing because this is a very real threat. And you don't want to get compromised via a, a vendor that's taking care of all of your IT stuff. That could be really, really scary. All right, some other news here. I'm calling it cybersecurity news because I guess it kind of is. Uh, Fiserv is one of the biggest... Uh, banking core providers and you know there's several of these massive uh, core providers for banks and they're now getting sued by a credit union and they're suing them for 37 million dollars and they're basically saying that there's baffling security holes and those security holes are wreaking havoc on its customers so they basically go through all of the alleged security and authentication issues uh, that led up to this lawsuit, but pretty interesting stuff there if you're in banking and you happen to use Fiserv. This is something that you'd probably want to follow. Uh, a while back, I reported on uh, a vulnerability, several vulnerabilities that were found um, on their online banking interface, and uh, they quickly patched all that, but Apparently, there's other stuff still out there, according to this, allegedly, of course. Now, they're saying it's baffling security holes, so they must be, like, blatantly obvious. So, interesting stuff there. All right, what else here? In cybersecurity, there was also this site called Ladders. It's a job recruitment site called Ladders. Uh, They also got hacked, 13 million user profiles, and information was leaked. So, yet again, just tally them up. They keep coming. All right, we'll jump over to some crypto stuff. Uh, the price of crypto is doing great. Uh, it's still steadily going up. Uh, 5600 range is kind of where we're at now, so that's a very, very good trend. I uh, saw some other news here about the central banks of Canada and Singapore were, for the first time, they were settling cross-border payments using blockchain and digital currencies. So that's pretty cool to see some of these massive central banks starting to get into the blockchain space. So I thought that was cool. Uh, some other news here about E-Trade. If you're familiar with eTrade, it's just like an online stock trading kind of platform. And they are going to start launching their own cryptocurrency services, uh, uh, at least according to Bloomberg. Uh, so that'll be interesting. They're going to offer Bitcoin and Ethereum trading on the E-Trade platform now. So they're also getting into the crypto space. Some other weird stuff here in crypto. Jaguar, the car company, I guess it's also Land Rover, the same company, they're piloting this, what they call new technology that lets drivers earn rewards in crypto uh, for sharing data on road conditions. And why I say that's weird, um, it just seems odd to me that, I mean, why wouldn't you just do this through an app, for example, like, Ways or google maps why wouldn't you pay those rewards through something like that rather than from the car manufacturer itself so i thought that was kind of weird but still thought-provoking either way and if you haven't heard already the brave browser if you've if you've never heard of it it's brave.com very cool browser it's privacy focused it blocks ads they recently rolled out their own advertisements for Brave and they pay you back in Bat Token. So that is that is live, that is active now. Uh, it looks like they pay you out once a month. So basically all the ads that you look at, it adds up over time and they pay it out once a month to you in Bat Token. And you can then turn around and use that Bat Token to tip other websites that you visit frequently if you wanted to. So kind of cool stuff there. It's a, a, definitely an interesting web model. But certainly makes it easier and better for the end user to not see all the advertisements on the page and, and be able to select how many ads they actually want to see per hour, which is what uh, the Brave browser is doing. So pretty cool stuff there, too. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. It's CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles we talk about here on the show. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.